right. So hi, everybody. I am here with Thomas from Hermit's Mirror, the creator of the Lifeline Tarot and the Lifeline Lenoracle, and also the host of the Not Quite a Hermit Instagram Live series that has been going on since the pandemic started, hasn't yep, it? Pretty much. <laughs> so I was on it. I just checked 33 weeks ago. Wow. Seems like a different lifetime. It, it really does. <laughs> but that's one of the reasons that I'm so excited to talk to you, but also a little bit intimidated because you're actively talking to tarot personalities like several times per week through the Instagram lives. And I am still a novice interviewer. <laughs> oh, no, you all are great. <laughs> well, thank you. We appreciate it so much. So I am really, really excited about these decks. And when I first saw you post about the Lifeline Tarot, I was like, does Thomas live in my head? Because I <laughs> love line drawings so oh, yeah? much. I love any sort of tarot deck that's a line drawing. I cannot stop myself from buying and your lifeline tarot is really cool because it's a combination of line drawing and also the traditional Rider Waite Smith symbols and images. Mm -hmm. So, when did this project start, and kind of what was the impetus for realizing there was this huge gap in the market for a really rad <laughs> line drawing Rider Waite Smith? Uh, the latter uh, just recently happened <laughs> after launching it. Uh, <laughs> Oh. <laughs> you're like oh people really like this yeah, huh I was like oh okay this is good um yeah so funnily enough it was a very quick project um and I started drafting single line drawings of the court cards in mid-December of 2020 so wow like it was six weeks beginning to end and at the beginning I didn't think I was designing a deck I was just drawing uh and then I just kept going. And then, <laughs> and then I was like, you know what? I'm going to turn this into a deck. Not initially like wanting that. Um, not that I didn't want that, but I felt like it was really derivative. Like I didn't feel like I was doing anything special. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I can't charge people money for like Pamela Coleman Smith's drawings, which plenty of people do. But yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I was going to say, I feel like U.S. Games, the minute they realized that the copyright was ending this year, it was yeah, like yeah. every single variation of Rider Waite Smith <laughs> that they could get out before the oh, copyright please. ended. <laughs> yeah. So I felt a little weird about it. And some people had asked me like, oh, are you going to make a whole deck? And I was like, well, maybe just to draw it for myself, to have references, to use it on my website, not as an actual deck. Oh, um, that would have been really cool too. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, it was like a teaching tool or just to have copyright free images. <laughs> mm -hmm, exactly. Uh, but then I just really got into it. And then once I decided to do the minor arcana, which um, was in consultation with Amanda from Indie Deck Review. Yeah. Hi, Amanda. <laughs> uh, we love Amanda. Um, she, you know, she really pushed me to say like, because I had all these different ideas in my head and I like couldn't focus on anything. Mm -hmm. So there was just too much like bashing around in my head. And she was like, all right, well, what advice would you give yourself if you were talking to like a coaching client or something? And I was like, First oh, of all, them, rude. <laughs> right? <laughs> just flip the table. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's always a, such an impossible question to answer because you're, at least for me, I'm always like, no, I know what I would tell somebody else to do. I know. Yeah. I just still can't bring myself to. Oh, yeah. No, I said, oh, I would tell them to finish the thing that they're almost done with so they can get yeah. out of their head and move on. Yeah, exactly. She was like, finish yeah, a project so <laughs> or don't get it into the world, but at least be done with it. Right, 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 right. Yeah. You don't have to turn it into a deck if you don't like it, but just be done with it. Right. Make a decision. <laughs> 
so I did that, and then I really liked it. Um, it was the you know the the court cards and the major arcana are very close to the original. I mean, there's still uh, there's still a lot of negative space and sort of mm-hmm. room for interpretation. But the minors, I wanted to be a little bit pip-ish. Um, and so I actually had a lot of a lot more fun with those <laughs> to figure yeah, out. Yeah, because... Okay, well, what do I leave out? Right, exactly. So I think that for those of you who are not currently looking at the deck like I am, the cool thing about the minor arcana is that it really is... Thomas's decision about what's being highlighted. So in some cards, there's a little bit more detail than in others. And it feels like less like what you were saying, almost derivative of just Pamela Coleman Smith's artwork and turns into artistic decisions, especially in those minor cards where you're making decisions about what you're focusing on. Yeah. Yeah. And I wanted to highlight, you know, I like pip decks and I feel like they, um, a lot of people struggle with them. And so this sort of blend between like the semi scenic and uh, the semi pip, (laughs) I think is like a nice middle ground for people. And then as I was doing it, I was like, Oh man, I'm essentially leaving out most of the figures. So it's like, you get to step into the world of the card, which is actually part of my own practice. And like in my tarot challenges, there's almost always something called the sensory cue exercise where you're like going into the card and seeing like what is in the world of the card. Yeah. Sort of like path working. Um, but it like really invites you to take on the energy or the accountability or just like a, you know, your own personal view of what that card should be or could be or is in that moment. Absolutely. Like I'm looking at the seven of pentacles, for example, and the figure is completely removed. It's just the bushes with the seven pentacles and I think that it really does do a good job of like kind of putting yourself, it, it removes some of the issues of like, what is this sort of medieval costumed mm-hmm. figure doing here? Like it really opens up the ability to place yourself in this world where you can sort of like, as somebody who's familiar with the original cards, you're like, okay, I know that these are bushes. I know that these are seven pentacles that are within the bushes. But I think even for people who are less familiar with the cards, just understanding, like you can tell that there's some growth there because you sort of have the general idea of a bush. And so it's sort of approachable and interesting for people at a lot of different levels of tarot reading. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I do think um, the people who seem to be drawn to it are more like intermediate tarot readers i would say Mm -hmm. or advanced um i you know i sort of struggled because it's not it's not super beginner friendly i think if you are looking (laughs) for like an easy deck to work with um that's going to feel really comfortable but at the same time like if you if you um you know if you lean towards scrying so yeah sort of my own background like it's going to be so much better for you than most decks out there i think just because there's so much abstraction and right there's so much room to like make it whatever you want it to and it, be. but it's and yet it's still like there's so few distractions because it's mm-hmm. just this really beautiful line work that it isn't quite the same as like falling into an elaborate card it's more like sort of step you're right like stepping into almost like a like very simplified world where you can kind of move on from there. Maybe a perfect beginner tarot package would be this deck. And then the wildly tarot deck. There you go. You have those meanings. You have those like more explicit definitions. And then also the ability to kind of trust your instinct, because I think that that's kind of one of the things that 
puts a deck from being super beginner friendly to more of an intermediate deck is Mm -hmm. the expectation that users of the deck are going to have to use their intuition and not Mm -hmm. just like kind of feel as I guess willing or able to just jump into the guidebook or whatever else. Right. Yeah. And I do, I mean, one thing that sort of, I think is nice about both of our decks, uh, not to sort of have self-love for our decks. But <laughs> no, we have to. Yeah. Who else is going to? <laughs> <laughs> True. I'm so bad at marketing. Um, is that they're relatively inexpensive, right? Right. So, yeah. Like my deck is meant to be like playing cards. It's meant yes. to be like rough and ready. The line work is, you know, I mean, it's very sort of uh, messy <laughs> for lack of a better word. Um Right, like it's very intentional, but it's it's not clean. Um, right, so, like, yeah. Edges of the cups do not line up with their, <laughs> with their bases, and I could have gone through and like, I mean, I, or I could have just done it um, through like geometric digital art. Right, um, but I wanted it to like, I don't know I wanted you to like throw it in your bag. It's in a like cheap tuck box, right? Yeah, it's gonna be beat up in a year, but it just means that you loved it, and so you know if it's destroyed in a couple of years it's only, you know, whatever the going rate at that point is. Really right. Bad. And I'm, I, that actually is really interesting to me because I know that you are also a bit of a tarot collector and I do feel like there's sort of a divergence happening right now between like ultra, ultra luxe decks yeah. and then more like approachable, like almost hobbyist decks where the goal isn't to make it the fanciest, nicest version of itself. It's to get it in as many hands as possible. Yes. Yeah. And I really do sense that so much recently where like really, and I think that part of it has something to do with like the global economy and like paper costs even, but there's sort of like indie decks are really going in one of two directions, which is $80 for a deck or $25 for a deck. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, I think um, like the pirating issue is a, is a big reason for that. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And that, you know, that was some of um, my own decision-making was like, if I'm going to have a deck that costs 40 bucks, you know, for someone to buy, but it costs $10 to make or something like that, that's a ton of margin, first of all. Yeah. That someone who's pirating a deck is going to say, oh, I can make this deck for six bucks or something and I can sell it for $30 and then they have even more margin and, you know, it makes it lucrative for them as opposed to, selling it relatively cheap so there's not a lot of margin it's not really worth their time or having something that's so bells and whistles that they're like i'm not spending 60 bucks to create that deck to sell it for 70 right exactly especially because the cost of like boxes just adds Mm -hmm. so much so doing a a tuck box was a great idea i mean in addition to the fact that i really like tuck boxes and some of my favorite decks are in tuck boxes it does make it that this is a really like good value because you can sort of treat it like it's a working tool rather than something that needs to be kept really safe. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, which is some decks that I, yeah, those beautiful ones, right. Like the threads of fate, um, totally gorgeous. I love it, but it, it feels very much like a ritual deck. And some people have said Mm -hmm. like, Oh, will you do like a, essentially a fancy version of it? And I was like, yeah, I would love to, I'm going to have to kickstart it because I don't want (laughs) to, but kickstarter comes with it's a whole other series of problems oh, though for sure. yeah. <laughs> it's just like so it's just so complicated and i'm saying this as somebody who does not create decks i just like have a lot of friends who do yeah 
<laughs> and I feel like if you can get away with not kickstartering, it is probably in your best interest. <laughs> yeah, which is, I mean, that's uh, one of the reasons why I didn't kickstart the Lenoracle. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about the Lenoracle because I, we've, we've talked about Lenoracles on the podcast before because our friend Claire from Black in the Moon has one also, Memento Mori Oracle, which kind of both has components of a Lenormand deck. Like for hers, it's like the first 36 cards all align with Lenormand cards. And then there's this huge additional component of cards. We reviewed another deck on the podcast also that was similar. Um, but I love them so much because I do think that 36 cards is like traditional. Obviously it's the way that Lenormand cards work, but there are, there is the idea of what a, a deck of cards looks like. And mm -hmm. Lenormand already has the associations amongst their cards with specific playing cards. So it's such a cool thing to sort of expand the images on the cards to reach that 52 card traditional playing card deck rather than feeling sort of limited to the more traditional symbols of yeah. the first 36 cards. So at what point in the process did the Lenoracle sort of become part of it? And how did you decide which cards to add? Uh, I love both of those questions. So <laughs> as, oh, soon, yeah, um, as soon as I had sent off the sample deck for the tarot, so like late January or something, um, I took a day and I started on the Lenoracle. Uh, <laughs> so that was also a very You're not quick giving yourself project. a lot of rest. <laughs> no. Um, but, you know, I feel like I've had all of these deck ideas. Like I have four other decks that are sort of half sketched out, not in terms of art, but in yeah. terms of their structure, their meanings, right? Like all of these different things. And I have some sketches in actual art, but they're such long processes because I'm not a fast artist. Um, so having like a, a single line version that I can do very quickly, that I can digitally edit very quickly, that I can just sort of like focus on like the guts <laughs> and I don't have to worry about the skin so much, like the polish. Yeah. Um, you know, that was, I think, really useful for sort of allowing my creativity to sort of get out there to create a deck and feel like, okay, I have this thing that people can see me for beyond just like a weird Instagram presence, right? That is intangible. <laughs> Except, uh. I mean, I I know that you say that self-deprecatingly, but I do think that you have a pretty strong presence because you invite so many other people onto your page. Yeah, so for sure. Like, there's yeah, like they bring people. But I, <laughs> yeah, I do understand the feeling of like, I'm not providing a product though, yeah. which is always kind of strange too. Right. Um, yeah, so I wanted to just have something out there for the Lenoracle I had originally sort of or when I created the um, lifeline tarot I like immediately started imagining like okay this whole lifeline like series of decks yeah. so there would be a tarot there would be a Lenormand there would be an oracle because I use all three kinds of decks I love all three kinds of decks they have totally different vibes and they totally can gel beautifully together um, but as I was looking at like the pricing for 36 cards it's almost the same as 54 cards mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> um, or 60 cards, be, like for whatever reason, um, it's just not a significant, I think it's because of the number of sheets that they use to create the cards. It's the same, whether it's 36 or 60. Yeah. Um, and so I just thought like, well, why not add in 16 or 18? Cause I have the two jokers Oracle cards. Oh, true, true, true. Um, yeah. 
and originally they were, you know, it was going to be like a standard Lenormand with just like the little playing card inserts. It wasn't going to be a playing card deck. And then the Oracle cards were just sort of going to be an add-on. Like you could like buy the Lenormand or the Lenormand plus the 18 Oracle. Oh, interesting. Like, okay, well, that's silly. No one wants an 18 card Oracle. Well, I mean, yeah. And some, honestly, your prices do. are also so low that people would be like, eh, why would I not just get both? Right. So, <laughs> so I was like, wait, let me, I love playing cards. Like. My family is huge playing card family. Um, and so, what's everyone's favorite game? <laughs> uh, so we were my family, the Dutch side of my family, we play Clever Yassen, um, which is like great name. Yeah. Uh, like <laughs> Jack of Clubs, essentially, is sort of how I understand it to be translated. Like Clover is like Clover, which is like clubs. Um, and I don't think Yassen is actually Jack's, but that's just how my family explained it to me. So. <laughs> And I do speak Dutch, but not not that well. <laughs> yeah, not like colloquial card game um, right, level. <laughs> yeah. So um, those sorts of games that are more in like team, sort of like bridge, pinochle, those sorts of cooperative, Ugh, competitive kind of games. So my family plays 99 at basically like every single event. Um, I have to have the rules written down to me. Okay. The, the rules written down every single time I play, even though I'm 33 years old and the oldest grandchild, because... My cousins, Cole and Wade, are like way more capable card players. <laughs> and so they always know. And then my side of the family, my brother and sister and me just like always need the rules. But basically, it's it's like a because you always want to do it in a big group. Mm-hmm. It's one of those games where you're just adding card values to 99 and all Got the it. different court cards have different values. And then you have to be the one who's paying close enough attention to like, you know, basically get out because you notice <laughs> somebody skipped 99 or whatever. Um, and then it ends when like all the cards are gone and whoever still has cards in their hand has to add up their points based on the point values and the highest points lose. Okay. Basically. <laughs> and you can only put card, but anyway, it's, it's very nerdy, but I love card games too. And oh, I think yeah. that they're like kind of a dying like hobby because when we're all sitting around in groups now, it's easier to just like put on TV or whatever. Right. And no one's like sitting around playing card games the way that they used to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, there's always something on that's interesting, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or something to rewatch. I just finished rewatching Mad Men with Nathan, my husband and uh, like literally last night. And I was like, this show was on almost 10 years ago <laughs> and yet we're still choosing to use some of our valuable time. Yeah, how does it, it stand up? <laughs> uh, I think it was more funny than I remembered it being. Oh, yeah. Um, that lawnmower but also, scene? <laughs> yeah, the lawnmower scene was really funny. I think the office place hijinks are more funny now that I've worked in an office, okay. <laughs> which I hadn't at the time that I was first watching it. I think that if you go into it being like, this is intending to accurately depict what the early 60s was like it's easier but there were definitely moments where i was like you can't talk about people like that yeah yeah (laughs) so that was always that's always the weird thing but yeah i don't know it's just like like re-watching stuff or whatever any of our it like or you know throughout the whole pandemic just like quietly staring at the ceiling because your brain has stopped functioning always seems like a better option than creating or playing card games or whatever. So I really love that the, that some of the impetus for this really awesome Lenormand slash Oracle deck came from just like a true love of playing cards. Yeah. So I like, instead of having the playing cards just be like little inserts or sort of supplemental aspects of the cards, they're really 
they are the cards. Yeah. <laughs> and the Lenormand and-, and the Oracle parts are sort of like tacked onto it. And <laughs> that has, I've seen the value of that, like as um, a customer of my own, essentially, where the guidebook that I'm creating, because it is structured through playing cards, you can take literally any deck of playing cards and read it as a Lenormand or read it as an Oracle with the help of the guidebook. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so neat too, because I just think that like there, that kind of goes back in sort of some nerdy ways. My dog has decided that she needs me to play with her of all times, huh? (laughs) Um, Normally Esther and I record first thing in the morning. So she just falls asleep. But every time it's like any time in the afternoon, she is like, what are you doing sitting in this room by yourself? Do you need me to come play with you? Because I can. You need company. Yeah, exactly. Is everything okay over there? (laughs) Yeah. I don't know what's happening with mom, but she's like staring at some weird ball, like weird computer and just not saying anything. Go play with dad. Go play with dad. No, she says I will not. Um, But so one of the, so obviously, as you know, Esther and I just wrote a book about the history of tarot art and the tarot card game is something that people still do know the rules to. There are parts of Europe that still play the tarot card game to this day. And it's kind of like when you look at the rules to how to play tarot, um, even as we kind of understand them historically, a lot of it is kind of similar to like the ways that we would play. I mean, obviously it's still a card game. So until like, you know, the 19th, the end, middle slash end of the 18th century, people weren't like mainstreamly using tarot cards for divination. Mm -hmm. It was truly like, and even in uh, Holland, like there's a really famous Holland publisher or I guess Dutch publisher for, um, for Tarot de Marseille, Tarot de Marseille uh, version. And all of them were being used for playing cards. And so I really like the idea of like allowing cards to be both still Mm -hmm. like you know, we know as tarot readers that theoretically you could use any tarot deck for playing any, you know, regular card game if you take the major arcana out because it's the same layout for the most yep. part. But I think that the very intentional decision to have the Lenoracle be so usable as playing cards both like brings it back to a really cool sort of historical basic way that people were using cards. But you're totally right. It also means that if you if you really love the system then you can do that with any deck of cards, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, you know, like a playing card that's meant for that or something that's kind of a similar structure to a Lenormand deck. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could draw your own symbols on the cards. Right? Yeah. Um, I'm sure uh, people will. Because yeah. that you also have so much negative space in them that people could use this if they wanted to jot down meanings, like if they wanted to create their own training cards for Lenormand or for tarot. Mm-hmm. There's enough negative space that people could write in their own meanings and use them for flashcard style even. Yeah. And it, it's funny. Um, I'd sort of forgotten this, but I am <laughs> looking at the miners now and I did structure <laughs> those uh, to be like playing cards, right? So you have Q yeah. pentacle, right? For the queen of pentacles, there's no title. It's just in either corner and they're bridge size cards so that they're easy to hold if you wanted to do it. And one of the like ways that I recommend people clear the deck, if they're like, mm, something's wrong with the energy, is to literally play a game of solitaire with it. Oh. Right? Sort of like you can either read the remaining cards, like if you get stuck, right? Like if you, yeah. if you end up with certain cards that you just can't go and it's like, okay, this is the thing that you're stuck on. Let's 
Let's focus on that. That's or a if you really fun out, idea. Yeah. So I have to post <laughs> about it. I just have like this little note on lifelinetarot.com. Like, hey, if you need to like clear your deck, play a game of solitaire. Yeah. But- and I also really love that because sometimes people get so intimidated by like, and we've talked about this before on the podcast. And I think you and I might've even talked about this when I was on the uh, Not Quite a Hermit, but like people get really intimidated when they want to be using tarot cards, but aren't sure what they need to be asking or what they want mm-hmm. to know, I guess. So when you're saying like, oh, you can use solitaire to clear the deck, that also gives people the opportunity to say like, I'm doing this for practice and I'm going to read these cards together as practice without having to go through you know, the mental side of being like prepared to get a reading about something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think there's right there, <laughs> there are a bunch of ways of um, getting that sort of like general reading for yourself. For me, not to plug something else that I <laughs> created, <laughs> but the Tarot Tableau book, um, I actually use that. I use the Tarot Tableau that I created for clients when they don't really know why they're coming to me Mm. like all right let's just see where you're supposed to be focused where's the fool which house is it in right and you can use different um you don't have to use my tarot tableau because there are other systems of it right i've just seen like well where does the fool land let's focus on that house and go from there yeah Um, yeah i've actually never done a tarot tableau before i mean i know how they work for lenormand decks but for tarot, it seems like you would really need a deck that's a bridge size, like the one that you created, to be able to do a good tableau situation. Yeah, because otherwise, I mean, you're going to... Just like up. an entire room. You need like a king-sized bed to yeah. do a tarot tableau. So for those of you who don't know what a tableau is, in Lenormand, a tableau is where you lay out all 36 cards. And it's, what is it? Like four, I can't do math well enough to come up with this without like really thinking about it. But is it like six rows of four or something um so that's not there are two different systems yeah (laughs) there's the four rows of nine or what people see as like a more traditional is four rows of eight plus four on the bottom sort of centered oh okay outside of the main tableau grid so i've seen it done two different ways but the idea behind it is that you're not reading anything out of context like you're reading them all in relation to each other and which house they fall in and how they're like facing each other and all of that. So doing that with tarot seems really like a great idea. And I'm sure, like you said, it's not like a, you know, completely unique, untapped way of dealing with it, but I've never even considered that. So that's really interesting. Well, so how long have you been offering that as one of, so I, when I first started reading, not when I first started reading at the years ago, before we started the podcast, I used to sell readings and I stopped because it was exhausting yep. and I was like not able to do it anymore. Um, but you still have like a, just a bustling tarot business. So how long have you been selling readings, including the tableau, but I guess even beyond that, if that's like a newer addition to your oeuvre. <laughs> yeah. So I started reading for people who I didn't know essentially when I went online um, on Instagram almost three years ago. Um, mm-hmm. And then I actually created a business, uh, like a legal entity, <laughs> the beginning of 2019. So two and a half years ago, maybe. Wow. Um, yeah. So I created a legal entity uh, last year. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was just way behind. Yeah. I didn't realize what was going I'm on. I'm very, um, I mean, and maybe you also experienced this, you know, as an earth sign. I am very litigation 
risk averse. <laughs> yes, fair. So but you know what? <laughs> I'm going to pay a couple hundred extra bucks to like now protect myself to... <laughs> in the future. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because there is no bigger nightmare. And I have had literal nightmares about this where you find out that you owe somebody a whole bunch of money. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, that's terrible. <laughs> it's the actual nightmare. And actually, I have you ever done those or have you ever seen those things on Facebook where it's like questions to ask your partner about you? And one of them is always like, if I called you because I'd gotten arrested, what would I have gotten arrested for? And Nathan once was like, uh, yours would be a series of misunderstandings where you didn't realize that something that you were doing something illegal until they like already had you completely unable to avoid being prosecuted oh for God. it. <laughs> like naive generosity, right? Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh no, yeah. that is absolutely what would happen to me. Oh, that's so funny. Um, <laughs> oh, but going back to a question that you had asked earlier. Um, oh, how did it come into how did the Lenoracle come into being just to totally switch gears again? That's uh, okay. <laughs> um, right. So I had wanted to do a Lenormand and I'd wanted to do an Oracle. And I said, well, right. Why not, why not combine them? But then instead of having 18 Oracle cards, why not make all 54 um, Oracle cards as well? Like a Lenormand card can also have a more like spiritual component to it and so once i decided to do that i was like well why not create lenormand meanings for the other 18 if people want to do like an expanded lenormand why not allow them to like throw in some other symbols and things absolutely so in it's interesting that you say that though because i do know that our friend that again sorry to bring up claire again because just that i'm more familiar with her deck but like some people gave her a lot of backlash for acting as though lenormand cards could also be used as uh oracle cards like her initial 36 cards kind of have a similar thing where it's like these are the meanings in lenormand but these are also the meanings that you can just use your intuition to get to yeah. and there were some people that really pushed back against that and i think it's because lenormand has always been so traditional it mm -hmm. didn't get quite the same like i guess like flexible uh facelift that tarot sort of has over the last like 10 years where people kind of understand that there's like sort of a way to do it intuitively and you don't have to adhere to traditional meanings necessarily. And Lenormand sort of is a little bit, I guess like less, I guess there's been less, there's been fewer people who've tried to do that with Lenormand. Mm. So it's a really cool thing. And I'm sorry for continuing to bring up Claire, but oh, for both Claire. of you, these decks where yeah, I do too. I she's don't know so her great. very well personally, but she's, she's incredibly <laughs> she <makes> nice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but I think that for both of you, like as sort of forerunners for this idea of bringing Lenormand into more of an intuitive, flexible, modern perspective than sort of like the traditional, like this is what this means and you can't vary from it. Like a dog means friendship. And if you think about a dog, meaning your literal dog, then you're doing it wrong. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, your dog can literally be your dog. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Especially my dog. She's right? the most literal dog in the whole entire world. <laughs> um, yeah. So there are some things where, um, you know, I say, you know, if you wanted to use this, you might instead see, like some people will say, oh, fox or the fox, if we're talking about animals, can be yeah. any sort of like feline. Um, oh, interesting. Foxes are canids, right? So, but you already <laughs> Thomas, have a dog. Thomas, can I admit something embarrassing to you? What's that? I have had to Google, are foxes more like cats or dogs okay. so many times in my adult life? I always, <laughs> always think that they're more cat-like than dog-like. Well, 
I don't. I mean, they look. They have pointy ears, right? They've got those cute whiskers. Uh, <laughs> They're sneaky, and yeah. cats are sneaky. Dogs are, are big, dumb sneaky. idiots. Yeah. <laughs> There's my confession. Also, to be fair, I've never lived in a place that had foxes. So I don't know why I would know that. Okay. Uh, yes. Yeah, so <laughs> but I think that's a really good point. So people would say like, oh, it can be sort of any sort of feline, whatever. Right. Feeling. Yeah. Um, and so tying it to that, or like if you have a cat and you're like, well, the dog does not represent my cat. It's probably going to be represented by the fox instead. But in my deck, I created a cat because if you have to have, if you have a dog, you have to have a cat. Like that's just not yeah. fair to cat people. <laughs> um, I love that perspective of it too. Like, I mean, first of all, you're of course right, very clearly <laughs> correct in that assumption. <laughs> but the fairness is something I hadn't really considered. So, did you just choose like sort of figures that you love to be your additional cards to make it up to the fifty fifty four? Uh, no, not necessarily. So. Um, I thought about, uh, I mean, so the basis for the images is, or are, excuse me, um, no, is uh, Walter Crane's illustrations from Victorian children's books in like the 1880s oh, for cool. the most part. So, um, and I later discovered after I was done that there is a Walter Crane tarot that is literally derivative. <laughs> it's just his art, like on some tarot cards, um, that some people may see like, oh, the Queen of Hearts sure looks a lot like the Queen of Swords or whatever in that deck because it's based on the same illustration. Oh, um, God. So that's always the risk that people are taking when they decide to take a really cool artist and like cram it into tarot. Yeah. Um, and they're not wrong. Like the original image has a sword, um, but I didn't want a sword because I was using her for the stork because I thought she would make yeah. a great stork so instead she's holding a wand that has a stork head and she's got these big old wings and like a stork head popping off of her shoulder um so uh I don't know where I was going with that other than right there's so this original oh, you, so you were using the storybooks as sort of like a a beginning place for the additional cards it was a confirmation place so oh cool yeah, I went through um this the suits Right, because I was structuring this through the lens of playing cards, and I thought, like, okay, well, mm -hmm. what do all the spades have in common? What do all the hearts have in common? What do all the clubs have in common? The diamonds, right? And so I was just going through and thinking, like, okay, well, there are some images that I want to include, regardless of whether they're going to fit or not. And that prime example was the cat. Um, and then from there, I also wanted to have um, the thread or the the string, because that's important to my own practice. Um, mm -hmm. So I knew I wanted that in the deck, but for the most part, I was, I was open to whatever I was going to essentially just think of as I was studying the other cards. So there are things like mirror and lamp, which are very clearly tied to hermit's mirror um, in my own unconscious. <laughs> like they're not, they don't represent the same things, but they're there like always playing around in my brain. But then there are some things where I would, I changed them. So like I'd originally written down harp because I felt like that was a very Victorian thing that I wanted some sort of musical instrument. It didn't seem that hard to draw. It would have strings, right? So again, that string theme. Yeah, the string motif, yeah. totally. And then, uh, which the was sort of reinforced for me because um, Onoreo um, over on Instagram mentioned like, oh, your single line sort of reminds me of string or thread. I was like, funny yeah. story. That's really important for me in my practice. I did not realize yeah, that. Yeah, but... <laughs> like that was intentional. <laughs> yeah. Um, is yours coming from a Threads of Fate perspective or where Yeah, right. So like it's um, very much tied to the Fates and Norns. I love that. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, so there were some things that were sort of forced or that I said, like, I really want to do this. And then there were others where I thought like, okay, well, what's a nice complement to what's already there or what sort of fits the theme. So like with the spades, you have the ship and the anchor. So, right. Like they both are a little bit related, right. You have an mm-hmm. anchor on a ship, but, and then I thought, well, why doesn't like, why doesn't the house have a window to go with it? Um, yeah. And so there was, you know, and a window is very important, <laughs> sort of like, yeah, windows, are, and it's also idea. such a good, it's such a good image or symbol, I guess, that like everyone can kind of relate to. Right. Like, it isn't a big leap for people to be able to say, like, well, what could the window mean? <laughs> right, right, right. Um, yeah. So it was, um, I had sort of my idea of what I wanted to do based on that, you know, like diamonds, a lot of the cards that, um, or in the diamonds in the Lenormand either open and close like physically or Mm -hmm. they reveal things or they like shine a light on things and so I wanted to make sure that the cards that I was adding had that sort of opening and closing or revelatory aspect to them. So this is where being somebody who's way more familiar with Lenormand than I am because I read Lenormand all the time but I rarely have taken into consideration the card association most people don't so don't feel bad (laughs) oh but i actually like as you're saying this i'm like holy moly like that is so great because you do have like the two of diamonds have has butterfly wings on it which is new that's not a card that's part of lenormand right right and neither is the five of of diamonds which is a fan that's also new yeah is it but then the seven of diamonds is the birds which is a traditional lenormand meaning right and that to me you know when you look at the diamond, sort of the seven through ace or the six through ace, right, which are the the traditional Lenormand cards, mm-hmm. right? Like the birds are gossiping; they're usually telling some sort of secret. It's coming out yeah. into the open, or it's trying to be hidden. The book literally opens and closes, but it also represents secrets. The scythe opens and closes. The sun, it's like a weapon, the a casket to yeah. the the key. All of that. You're totally right. The idea of having it be something that's like controlling access almost yes, is yeah, there yeah. Well, that's... and so then having there be like the metamorphosis of the caterpillar turning into butterfly wings like that makes a lot of really thoughtful logical sense and that's so cool that's like a really great way to think about it in terms of like what's and that's ugh, god you're just such an earth sign i just love it so much because you're like <laughs> how can i rationally <laughs> Yeah, you want the structure. You want it to be something that other people can follow yeah. because you don't want to just be out in the middle of nowhere by yourself. <laughs> but it's all logical decisions to have these, to have it suit these motifs, which then for people like me who don't pay attention to the cards at all, I can start to learn that as well because I'm recognizing the symbolism that you've sort of added to and I guess compounded through your decisions about what to add which is just really cool. And I didn't notice and I'm amazed by you. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, I appreciate the earth sign to earth sign recognition, right? Like, yeah, exactly. I need to be able to put this on a spreadsheet and have it make sense. <laughs> yeah, oh my God, spreadsheets. Don't even get <laughs> oh, me started. God, I could, you know, concatenate all day long. Um, my sister who's on a lot of online, not a lot. She would kill me when she hears this and hears me say a lot. She has, ha- she has online dated before. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just say it that way. How about that? Sorry, Katie. I didn't mean to put you on blast. But one of the things that's like an interesting fact about her is always that she's like super proud of her spreadsheet making abilities. You know, I fully respect that. 
It's really amazing. And I like in my household growing up, my dad is an analyst. Like he's a very mathy guy. He used to make us make spreadsheets for everything. <laughs> like whenever we asked for anything, he'd be like, well, do you have a spreadsheet to show me? Like, <laughs> and his name is Thomas too. Perfect. So I appreciate a, a spreadsheet loving Thomas. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Uh, but I do think that that like sort of adds a, a lot of depth too. And I obviously I really like the tarot cards, but as we're talking about the Lenormand cards more, I just feel like this is sort of the project that you were able to influence the most. Like there were a lot of decisions that you had to make where as with the tarot, there's like artistic decisions, mm -hmm. but the meanings are all super approachable and still there. Whereas with the Lenorical, and I really do think that maybe this is part of a broader conversation about Lenormand and Lenormand Oracle hybrids being sort of a new phase of cardamancy, like in the modern era, mm -hmm. because it's a fewer number of cards. So it's a little bit more approachable to people. And since there's less scholarship about it, mm -hmm. there's more opportunity for changing it to suit what you're after. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, I mean, one of the reasons why it's less messy of a design like the the face cards are very involved um and i tried to keep the line work cleaner partly because they're victorian illustrations but also because there's less for me there's less of an intuitive pull to lenormand and oracle cards yeah but um you know you can read them however the hell you want to read them <laughs> <laughs> well exactly and i do think that that's one of the reasons that i like lenoracle so much whether it's you or claire it's like you, there are traditional Lenormand meetings that you can associate with them if you'd like to. Yeah. But as somebody who really, really is drawn to Oracle, I think maybe because of the simultaneously more simple and straightforward meanings, but also that there's like a little bit more room for interpretation because if you are, if you let your brain think about what a fan means or what keys mean you can really get places there um and sort of like focus on the abstract symbolism rather than specific like divination meanings associated with tarot cards i just feel like there's going to be more and more decks that are encouraging sort of like the use of lenormand in creative ways because it is so interesting and straightforward and functional. And like you said, like if I wanted to just play 99 with my grand, I mean, you need, you need two decks for 99, <laughs> but if you wanted to play a simple card game with loved ones, you could easily do that with this. And they're pretty in that regard too. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, you can also sort of hide them, right. As like a True. tool because it's just like, Oh, what's with this deck of cards. It's like, Oh, well it just has this fun art on it. Yeah, exactly. Which... And for people who are, who are in situations where they can't be as open about divination. No one knows what Lenormand is. No. <laughs> <laughs> like if you're in a, in a household or life situation where people are like, tarot is evil. Like Lenormand is just some lady's last name. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just playing cards. Exactly. They're easy. They're very subtle, easy to, easy to have around. Yeah. One of the things that I had fun with and that I actually sort of, uh, felt a little bit strange about was changing the layout of the suits <laughs> or the pips mm. um, because for people who use playing cards the traditional layout of <laughs> where all of the pips are has a lot of meaning for them um and i just decided i i wanted to change it <laughs> so <laughs> like you know the six um is sort of staggered right they're not perfectly in the line um with each other um, and yeah. then like the seven or the odd numbers, right? They're like 
stacked on the top or on the bottom, which can give it more of like a geomantic feeling, um, oh, but cool. also like adds a little bit more instability, which is often tied to the the odd number cards um, when we anyway. think of numerology, right? And yeah, so totally. It was just fun to play with it and you know the spades and clubs are blue because I wanted you to be able to see the black lines <laughs> uh, so there's it's meant to be fun as well as like truly like special as a divination tool it's also meant to be fun I mean it's called a Lenoracle which just reminds me of snoring <laughs> like it's ridiculous we just <laughs> super love we super 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 love portmanteaus on this podcast yeah. <laughs> I think Esther's actually said the word Lenoracle in other contexts yeah. before I love a portmanteau, so I'm so here for that. And that's the thing is that when you first like announced this publicly, it was like, oh, this is going to be a really cool thing for people to be able to see. And honestly, like the more, well, this isn't just because I would love to write a book about Lenormand <laughs> slash Oracle cards also, but I think the more that people feel like open to the more that tarot goes mainstream and the more that people are getting what they need out of cardamancy more generally the more that i want these sort of more obscure ways to use cards to become popular mm -hmm. and i think i like i've said before i just think that lenormand is a really great opportunity for that and this lenormand deck specifically feels so approachable in that way i'm excited to see what you do with the guidebook yeah me too <laughs> <laughs> You're like, hopefully it'll be soon, yeah. sooner rather than no, later. I have, the, I have the, of course, I have like every day of my life scheduled, um, <laughs> as, as one does. Um, but yeah, so I have, you know, I mean, I have the aces through fives. I have those done. I'm going to change the format because it is very repetitive. Um, I'm going to give more space because there are reflective questions to ask yourself for the Oracle readings oh, or cool. for the Oracle cards. And so I'm going to give space to actually like take notes. Um, for people who want to do that as if it's actually like a journaling prompt. Um, I love that. And it's a digital guidebook, so you can print off, you know, print it off as many times as you want. There is a printed like add-on edition for the folks who can't deal with digital. Um, but I wanted to just have something, again, reduce the cost for people, but right. still be able to have something like really substantive. Like I expect right, it totally. to be, at, it's going to be small, right because it's a small deck um you know like four and a half by six and a half inches or something just like a little pocketbook but to have like at least 100 pages right so there are two pages for every card oh cool um, that'll really allow for a lot of making the deck what you want it to be yeah for the users for sure yeah. and that like giving some structure and um like the story of how it came to be but then also um like how do you even do a Lenormand reading? Like I just bought this because it was a cool looking playing card deck. Uh, yeah. And now there's this weird French thing that I'm supposed to do. Yeah, seriously. Like the Oracle is very lady? easy because you can just look it up. Uh, the Lenormand takes a well, little bit more And guidance. I think that, yeah, Lenormand is hard. It's harder to find uh, definitions like easily available online. Like if you Google any tarot card, it's like the first result is something that's like very simplified and just pops up. With Lenormand, it's a little bit more complicated and like having keywords is helpful, but because all of them are meant to be read to each other, which I think we talked about before we started recording, like we consider three Lenormand cards to be one meaning yeah. because you're supposed <laughs> to read them in conjunction with each other. So it doesn't feel natural to say like this card means this without the additional context. So 
uh, giving the opportunity of like a workbook situation where people can really dig in and do that as often as they need to is also a great way to get people to feel comfortable with yeah reading Lenormand and like feeling confident about it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping people really like it. <laughs> I think people are, or the people who have pre-ordered are sort of excited by the, the line work or the, the style of it. Um, because I haven't shared anything from the guidebook in part because it's not totally done. Um, <laughs> but I think I... And because you're trying to be mysterious. Right. Just admit that. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. It's totally intentional. Um, this is 100% about my own uh, enigmatic personality yeah. and not just not having had time to do this, this yet. This is the hermit's wisdom. You need to wait. <laughs> yeah. See, that's the benefit of your handle. You can blame everything on being a hermit. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I do plan to post a couple examples and to do like a pick a card with the Oracle interpretations. Yeah. That's Um, awesome. That'll be so helpful. So I guess people just need to follow you to keep an eye on it. And (laughs) both of these decks are available to order now. Yep. Um, Yeah. The Lenoracle, since I didn't kickstart it, but I did want people to be excited about it. And I'd actually created an entire Kickstarter campaign for it. (laughs) So I'd actually done all of this pre-work. Wow. Um, At what point did you decide decide not to kickstart it after creating the entire Kickstarter? You just couldn't pull the trigger. Two days before it was going to launch. Oh my God, Uh, Thomas. So actually on (laughs) Monday? Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, like Monday what of this prompt? week. I mean, I guess you don't have to share if you're not comfortable with oh, it. Oh, no, but so I'm moving in six weeks. What prompted that decision? Oh, my God. Yeah, uh, okay, that makes sense. And so I thought, like, okay, if the benefit of the Kickstarter is that I don't have to lay out my own money up front to order these right. decks. And people are willing to wait because they're used to waiting for, like, months or years for decks. I, <laughs> I mean, you know, God bless the people with patience. Uh, <laughs> Um, I am not great at it. Nope. Um, <laughs> yeah, just give it to me now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I was going to kickstart it. And then once we decided to move at the end of May, um, I realized like, oh, if my Kickstarter goes until mid-May, I'm not going to be able yeah. to order it, you know, the number that I want until late May, because, you know, you have to like get all the pledges actually acquired, deposited, all that stuff. Right? Yeah. So I'm going to be ordering from an overseas printer who's going to need to fill out customs information. I don't have an address. Like, Oh my God. I don't have a bank account in the new state or, and my business is not registered in a new state. So like I need all of this done before I move. Before you move. You're moving, moving. That's like a major move. (laughs) Oh my God. So I was like, okay. Is it exciting? I mean, I love, I love big moves. So I'm excited for you. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we've been here for eight years, um, which is twice as long as anywhere else that we've lived as adults, my partner and I. Yeah. Um, and we'd only planned to be here for like a year or two. I mean, we're in Texas. <laughs> um, we were moving from the Northeast. And so we knew it would be culture shock. We had no idea what to expect. I'd literally never been in Texas before we moved. <laughs> um, and it's been great. I mean, we've loved it here, obviously, because we've been here for eight years. But at the same time, like, this is not where we're gonna die so like why are we still yeah, here exactly <laughs> not like and i think if soon, anything but... else the last year has led those of us who've been lucky enough to stay healthy and you know stay employed in whatever ways we can to still be like hey but what am i actually doing yes for sure <laughs> right so that's are you going back to the northeast no we're going to phoenix Arizona. oh my gosh we, you're gonna be so much closer freeze, to me uh, after the freeze here <laughs> 
We're like, yeah, this is ridiculous. Never we are, again. We are in like southern Texas. How is it zero <laughs> degrees? We put up with a lot <sighs> of bullshit in order to avoid this. Right, exactly. <laughs> like we have to live in southern Texas yeah. so that we don't have to deal with ice. And now and we yet, have to deal with ice. Although I will too. say part of the um, reason, and it's funny that you were talking about the, you know, we don't play cards. We just throw on the TV. Um, I did the vast majority of the artwork in the sort of six days of deep winter freeze three wow. of which we had no power like 60 oh hours gosh. straight without the <laughs> lights turning on once and Ugh. the heat never turning on right so we were just under the covers and i had my ipad pro which has a very good battery life <laughs> apparently yeah, and <laughs> I, I think i charged it once like in an outdoor wow. um, outlet that did have power and yeah i mean it was you know the deck is not meant to be like a lifeline as far as like keeping you tied to life it's more about like you know just following wherever the hell life's going to take you and following yeah. that path and creating that journey for you which is very tied into the norns and threads of fate and all of that stuff right like you control your destiny but totally. for me in that week like it was a sanity was lifeline <laughs> yeah totally and that i think like as somebody who really loves hearing artists talk about their process is a very, very beautiful sentiment. It can be both like more of a large scale idea about, you know, fate and lines and strands that hold us all together. And also something that in that moment was keeping you focused on something other than like physical safety, yeah. <laughs> at least a little bit yeah, while everything was kind of crumbling sure. around you. That's beautiful, Thomas. I think that that's probably a good place to stop, yeah, right? Sounds perfect. <laughs> <laughs> something very, very beautiful. You're such a way with words. Yeah, There's no wonder you've been doing the <laughs> not quite a hermits for so long. Well, thank you so much. Do you want to tell everyone where they can find you and where they can get these, uh, I guess, orders for the Lifeline Tarot or pre-orders for the Lenoracle? Yeah. Uh, so the easiest place to find both is just lifelinetarot.com. That'll redirect to the particular page on hermitsmirror.com. Um, and you can find me on Instagram under hermitsmirror or lifeline tarot i have two accounts um oh awesome so, i think that am i following both i think, I think so. so yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> well it was so nice to talk to you thomas and thank you so much for sharing so much of yourself through these cards and just with us here today and listeners go check them out <laughs> thank you holly <laughs> of course have a great day you too